Hello, and welcome to the Karoo Roads Companion. I'm Dave Charles, and this is a show where we explore stories from the outback of South Africa, as told in the Karoo Roads book trilogy, written, photographed, and published by Chris Morare and Julian Dutoy. In this episode, we take a visit with Julie to the banks of the Great Fish River in the Eastern Cape Karoo, where each year hundreds of canoeists are drawn to a remarkable river that runs through a dry land for the Fish River Canoe Marathon. The Great Fish River rises in the Snewberg Mountains, then loops through the Eastern Cape Karoo to the sea. In early October every year, hundreds of canoeists from all over the country, including KZN, come to test themselves in a two-day marathon everyone simply calls The Fish. In springtime, an old gap-toothed crocodile called Cecilia makes her appearance on the banks of the Great Fish River. She lurks quietly, content to bask among the river reeds north of Craddock. Cecilia only ever appears when there are a few hundred paddlers riding the lively rapids. She's very special because this is not traditional croc country. Until the mid-1970s, this river, her river, that courses through Craddock and Cookhouse was mostly a string of interconnected green pools that shrank in the dry seasons and ran riot in heavy rains. But after 1976, everything changed. That's when the waters of the massive Kharib Dam started to flow into the Great Fish via the newly completed 83-kilometer Orange Fish Tunnel, then the longest such aqueduct in the world. What child can resist the cluck and gurgle of a rushing river? The Karoo Midlands kids in the area took to the rapids like young huckleberry fins. When he was a small boy, current Fish River Canoe Marathon chairman Roy Copeman and his late brother Louis made canoes out of zinc and canvas. He says, we used planks for paddles. Of course we landed in the drink more often than not. Roy, now a farmer, has ridden this fast-flowing river hundreds of times since then. He knows its allure, its twists, its shifting sandbanks, and the sheer exhilaration that comes with finding the right line through the rapids. Farmer Keith Collett and his two young sons, Ted and Norman, lived upriver. Ted remembers how he and Norman fashioned rafts by tying together inner tubes, fending off low-hanging thorn branches with pitchfork handles and getting scratched to pieces in the process. The newly energized river transformed farming in this district turning it from arid but fertile Karoo scrubland to fields of irrigated pastures, maize, lucerne, and later pecanut orchards. Weeping willows and thorn trees grew tall along the steep banks. Weirs, canals, and bridges had to be built. Of course, livestock management along such a brisk waterway can be tricky. Hugh Collett of Lowlands Farm once nearly lost a fortune in ostriches to the river. He told Bartle Logie, author of Water in the Wilderness, about the time he was herding the large skittish birds across Katkop Weir. Now, the secret to herding a flock of ostriches is to keep up a good pace, with one person trotting in front and another behind. At the last minute, though, one of the front ostriches veered into the river, and to Hugh's consternation, all the rest followed. Logie writes, Bobbing in the water like outsized swans, 
Nodding heads from side to side, the ostriches headed rapidly downstream. With thousands of rands disappearing from sight, Hugh ran to his bucky and chased after them. Further along, he was relieved to find them again. Caught in an eddy, they swirled elegantly around, found their feet and seemingly curtsied before once again moving on to dry land. Within a few years, it had become clear that this river could be something special for competitive canoeists. The Fish River Canoe Marathon website records how things started. Cape Paddler, Dave Alexander, was one of the first to see the potential of the river for canoeing. He was contacted by Knut Olaf Bang, who was the circle engineer at the Department of Water Affairs in Craddock, and they put an article into the Midlands News in 1979, looking for paddlers keen to try out the rejuvenated river. There was no response. But then, according to the website, word got out. A few months later, some PE paddlers made the trip to Craddock, and gradually the reputation of the river spread. The Maiden Fish River Canoe Marathon was cautiously included in the national race calendar of 1982. There were 77 competitors in 52 boats. Only 37 of those boats arrived intact at the finish line. The river had plenty of obstacles. Apart from weirs, there were trailing willow and thorn branches and stray logs that lurked under the surface. Barbed wire fences straddled the river in places, weighed down by massive reeds and flotsam. Before long, the fish, as it is fondly nicknamed, had grown to become one of South Africa's premier river races, along with the Doozy Canoe Marathon in KwaZulu-Natal and the Berg River Canoe Marathon north of Cape Town. What gives it an edge, though, is that the water affairs people can guarantee a flow of 26 cubic meters per second for the duration of the race, provided there is enough water in the Kharik Dam. When the last competitor crosses the finish line, the river drops down to its normal 22 cubic flow. Day 1. The start of the race always falls on a Friday. First light reveals a steady convoy of buckies and SUVs heading up the N10 from Craddock. They are topped with canoes on roof racks and sport registration plates from all over the country. They turn onto the dirt road to Grass Ridge Dam, silken dust floating behind them over the Karoo Bossies and Lucerne Fields. At the dam, there is organized chaos. Beside little clusters of canoes, competitors are affixing race numbers to bodies, paddles and boats. They wiggle their rudders, don helmets and caps, fill their water reservoirs, coordinate rendezvous times and places with their seconds, smear on sunblock, test their GoPro cameras and make last-minute reinforcements with duct tape. A drone winds overhead to capture the action. A hatted man with an epic beard, megaphone and a German Shepherd dog announces, One minute! This is timekeeper John Oliver of the KZN Canoe Union, who has fulfilled this role every year since 1986. Ready? Go! The group sprints to the water. Within seconds, they're into their canoes, stretching their elasticated splashes over the opening. Wobble, balance, and they're off into the rising sun, paddles churning, water drops flying. Before long, the first in the batch are at Adams Fantine Farm, home of Ted Collett and his wife, Ingrid. 
Here the Great Fish River hurtles through a winding rocky channel under a bridge named Keith's Flyover, after Ted's dad. This is one of the race's more formidable rapids, which most paddlers wisely choose to portage around. The chances of breaking a boat here are excellent. Those who don't find exactly the right line and angle of attack end up in the river, being rushed along by the dizzying speed of the water, upside down, back to front, or both. Spectators settle on the rocks, watching some canoeists whip through fast and smooth, as if on rails. Others seem to be devoured by the churning froth of the rapids, then spat out, gasping, somewhere downstream. The water madness calms down a little until Soapkunst Drift Rapid, where Sinclair and Mary Collett farm. Then it's a comparatively easy dash to day one's finish line at Nutsford, where farmers' wives feed the paddlers burry rolls and a mystery soup that has all the seconds clamouring for the recipe. Day 2. The visual highlight is the Craddock Weir. Under its distinctive high V-shaped edge is a wicked churning tumble of white water. On a platform in front of the weir's edge are the lifesavers, muscular young men clad in red lycra, tethered so they can be pulled back quickly during a rescue. Like Keith's flyover, this is one of the most exhilarating obstacles for competitors and spectators. Apart from the constant rush of the river flowing down the weir, the soundtrack features hollow fiberglass thuds as the canoes drop down the weir, the paddlers flailing to stay upright. Spectators cheer those who make it, yay, and groan sympathetically when competitors wobble and fall in. Oh! Some will actually wade in and rescue floating paddles or offer tools, duct tape and advice to those with snap rudder cables. By then, the finish line of this epic 82km race is only 5km away, through the comparatively gentle golf course rapids. The next day, Craddock is largely emptied of snazzy vehicles and river-toned bodies. Broken canoes and perfectly good paddles wash up along the riverbanks for days after. And Cecilia? She has had her moments of glory. The paddlers that have seen her have identified her location in the Spot the Croc competition, hoping to win a brand new canoe. On Sunday, Roy Copeman picks her up in his bucky and stashes her rigid leathery form in the Craddock Clubhouse. There Cecilia quietly gathers dust until the next year's outing. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Julian Detoy for taking us on a trip with her to the Great Fish River. I'm not sure if I can picture myself jumping into a canoe anytime soon, but that soup did sound delicious. If you enjoyed this episode of the Karoo Roads Companion, feel free to follow the show wherever you listen to your podcasts or download the Radio Life and Style app to discover more great audio content like this. I hope we'll meet again soon as we venture further down the roads of the Karoo. For an insider's view on life in the Karoo, get the three-book special of Karoo Roads 1, Karoo Roads 2, and Karoo Roads 3 by Julian Detoy and Chris Marais for only 760 Rand, including courier costs in South Africa. For more details, contact Julie at julie at karoospace.co.za.
Don't zere.